0: Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we have Dr. Felice Gersh. She is a top integrative gynecologist, a globally recognized expert on women's hormones, gut microbiome, and circadian rhythm. Dr. Gersh is my personal favorite PCOS expert. She authored PCOS SOS, PCOS SOS Fertility Fast Track, and Menopause 50 Things You Need to Know When It Comes to Female Hormonal Imbalances. In today's podcast, we're talking about women with hormonal imbalances and fasting. So, if you're a woman with or without any hormonal imbalances and you want to learn how and if fasting will be beneficial to you, this is a perfect episode. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Katka TV Podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hello, thank you so much for being with us here today. My pleasure. Today we're going to be talking about fasting and how it affects women and their hormones. So before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Absolutely. So I am what I label an integrative OBGYN, and I'm board certified both in obstetrics and gynecology and in the new field of integrative medicine. So what I do is I incorporate all of the evidence-based modalities that are available to help my patients to optimize their health, incorporating many different types of lifestyle medicine, as well as conventional pharmaceutical surgeries when necessary and targeted supplementation.
0: My group have had a lot of problems when it comes to fasting and their hormones. They sent me a bunch of questions, and I know you might cover generally women, but they're going to make me ask specifically for each of their conditions and individual needs. So forgive me if I repeat myself on some of these, or you have to repeat yourself.
1: No problem.
0: We know men and women are very different from their hormones, metabolic health, cognitive, emotional issues, gut function, immune system. But can you go over some of those key differences?
1: I would love to because this is so under discussed. In fact, up until 2015, the National Institutes of Health didn't even require women to be part of their studies, and that includes animals like rat studies didn't include female rats, except if, of course, it was a female-specific problem like something related to pregnancy. So many of the well-known therapeutics and pharmaceuticals are really based on male data. And although we have many similar organs, we also have quite a few different organs And some of the things that are sort of invisible, like our immune systems, really function differently. So, if you think about the immune system, which has really gotten a lot of attention in recent days, it is incredible. And women have a very robust immune system relative to males. And in fact, estrogen from the ovaries, estradiol, is really an immunomodulator. So, it actually is part of the initiation of the inflammation response. And then it also like switches up so that you go into the inflammation resolution stage. So women respond more robustly to pathogens, to injuries, trauma, but when things go wrong, they're more prone to having dysfunction like chronic inflammatory diseases, autoimmune diseases. In fact, 80% of autoimmune diseases, which are now at epidemic levels in the United States and worldwide are in females it turns out that testosterone is actually an immunosuppressant. It actually dampens down the immune response. And it's really fascinating. When you look at everything in the context of the prime directive of life, which is really the reproductive functions, it's the creation of new life, everything is really geared towards successful reproduction. And the female immune system has to be very will say, interesting in that it has to allow this alien creature, a fetus, to grow within it. It has to have implantation of the embryo. It can't kill the embryo. And yet it still has to protect the body from invading pathogens. So everything has to be uh, some degree of a compromise. And so it's really fascinating looking at that. While in the male, the dominant effort in terms of energy expenditures is going to be on maintaining bulk, you know, the larger size, more muscle mass, bone, and also that energy guzzler making sperm all the time. So because we have different sort of roles in life regarding reproduction, we have different energy needs so the female energy is spent greatly on maintaining this incredibly robust immune system while in males it's spent more on maintaining a larger size and making all those sperm and, and that's just the beginning because of this difference in our immune systems we really have differences in our and our hormones of course having the different dominance like female have the estrogen males the testosterone we have differences in our cardiovascular systems, in our brains. And in fact, women are much more prone to neuropsychiatric issues, which is not always appreciated. Women have double the incidence of anxiety and depression, and many times higher the incidence of eating disorders, which has a great impact. Women have, because we have different hormones, different chromosomes, we have that extra X chromosome, which is actually part of the reason why women have a longer, by a few years, survival, you know, longevity destination compared to males, because we have that special extra X chromosome, which also is heavily involved in our immune function. But because of these differences, we have differences in in things like our appetite regulation, our mood, our autonomic nervous system, so that we are more prone to, for example, irritable bowel syndrome. So the differences are incredibly widespread, underappreciated, and it's really time to get the word out that women are not little men. We're not like little versions. We are really unique and different in our needs, and that's where differences in our medical approaches are so important.
0: How do these unique differences between males and females make females especially excellent candidates for interventions involving nutrition and the different types of fasting and time-restricted eating.
1: Well, women have some real, we'll say, challenges to their metabolic health during different phases of life. So if we start at the earlier stages, we get into the reproductive years. Now, pregnancy is now understood, finally, as the ultimate stress test for women, It is just this incredible balance between keeping a a little baby growing inside and safe, modulating the immune system in all kinds of ways, tremendous energy needs for growing this baby and maintaining the, the whole, all the systems when you're having to increase blood volume, cardiac output, all the different changes that have to occur physiologically in a woman to maintain a healthy pregnancy. So women who are on the edge metabolically, we'll say on thin ice metabolically. And if we just define sort of metabolism, everyone talks about, do you have a fast metabolism? Do you have a slow metabolism? It's really about the creation, distribution, storage, utilization of energy. So it all comes down to energy. Now, what is the underlying way that we get energy? It's called fuel, it's eating, it's food, right? So we have to have proper food in order to create energy. And then in order to create energy, we need to have all of these micronutrients, but we also have to have the right hormones, which give information to the cells. And then we have to have the cells be healthy so that they can then do the job they're needing to do. And all of that is incredibly challenging during pregnancy. So that's why pregnancy complications like gestational diabetes, hypertension, preeclampsia, preterm deliveries and and even things like recurrent miscarriages and so forth they're all like red flags that this woman has an underlying metabolic dysfunction and that's why Pre-pregnancy health, so we call it like pre-conceptual health, is such a critical thing for women. We know that women who enter pregnancy and they're already unhealthy—they're like obese or even just overweight, they have pre-diabetes or even just insulin resistance, they have emotional problems. All of these things are going to be taxed to the max when women become pregnant. So it's so important for women to utilize all of our tools, which include, of course, fitness and nutrition and eating and sometimes not eating and understanding, going back to our evolutionary origins and what our bodies have evolved to adapt to, to optimize health and function. So these are critical times for women to really get optimally healthy, because we know, for example, a woman who's unhealthy when she's pregnant, not only is she at significant increased risk for pregnancy-related complications that can affect her and her baby inside, but also that the genes themselves of the baby can be modified. We call it epigenetic modification, so that the baby can be born already hampered in its ability to have a healthy metabolism and we don't want that, and and that includes the immune system. So the exposures, the way that the baby's hormones are when they're exposed in utero, the the whole environment nutritionally, the stress of the woman even. We know that women who endure great emotional stress during pregnancy can reprogram their babies to then become more anxious children and, and adults. So it's so important to utilize all our tools in the preconceptual time. Now, not every woman knows when she's going to get pregnant, right? And not every pregnancy has been absolutely perfectly planned. So what does that mean? It means that at every stage of reproductive life, women need to optimize their health just in case they get that unexpected pleasure of finding out they're pregnant and they would like to go ahead and have this lovely baby. So we need to utilize all these tools, which includes, as I mentioned, getting properly in shape fitness wise getting the right nutrition having all the balance of vital nutrients and working on getting that healthy metabolic function so our bodies can properly utilize and create energy using this amazing tool of fasting now so in then when you get further in life after reproduction is now ending and you're getting into the menopausal transition that's another huge metabolic transformation for women and It's amazing what happens. We know from many studies, including rat studies, for example, if you took female rats and you took out their ovaries, they'll immediately start putting on visceral, like belly fat. So it's amazing how obvious it becomes when you look at animal studies that estrogen, the hormones coming from the female ovaries are critical for metabolic homeostasis. In other words, keeping that metabolism that energy utilization and creation perfectly balanced. And part of energy utilization and creation means having a properly functioning appetite so that you can actually intake the fuel, the food, to match the energy needs of the body. And this is also very heavily regulated by estrogen. And in addition, we know that there's this incredible thing called the circadian rhythm, which is how we evolved to live on earth. I know we all love Star Trek and Star Wars, but we are earthlings and we evolved with the 24 hour rotation of earth. And so our all of our metabolic systems are aligned with that 24 hour rotation. So metabolically, we are very different creatures during the day and during the night. And a lot of this is regulated by the master clock, which sits atop our optic nerve and can see light and also some nutrient sensors. That's why Fasting also becomes helpful here. But after menopause, during this menopausal transition and thereafter for the rest of the woman's life, she lives essentially a life of jet lag because the regulation and setting of the master clock is also involved with estrogen from the ovaries. So basically it starts to become a little bit disorganized. So you can have your liver thinking you're on the Eastern time zone and your pancreas is on the West time zone. So Pacific time zone. So this is not good. We have to have all our organs in the same time zone working together in synchrony. And that isn't really happening as women go into menopause. And we know that The mitochondria, those energy-producing factories of every cell, which is so critical to having a healthy metabolism, are also heavily involved and regulated by estrogen. So loss of estrogen is not just about loss of menstrual cycles, loss of reproductive capability. It's really loss of our controls over our circadian rhythm, our energy creation and storage and utilization. And that affects virtually every organ system. We find changes in our gut microbiome, changes in our vascular system, and changes in our brain. It turns out there are many neurons, specifically acetylcholine and serotonin neurons in the brain that are heavily regulated by estrogen. So menopause and the transition has a huge hit throughout the female body. So This is another key time in life when every woman needs to use every tool that's available to optimize her metabolic health so that she'll have quality life. We don't just care about living long. I mean, what's the use if you're 100 years old, if you can't think or move properly? That's not living, that's existing. So we want to have healthy longevity. That's why all of these tools involving lifestyle medicine, which incorporates nutrition and fitness and stress reduction and sleep, and working with our circadian rhythm and incorporating fasting so that we can optimize metabolic health at this other very critical stage of a female's life.
0: And can you describe the various types of diets and fasting regimens and the pros and cons of each in regards to women?
1: We now know that we have this incredible, I call it a civilization that lives within our gut, this what we call the gut microbiome, which consists of thousands of different species of microbes. It it includes bacteria, but also we now know there's fungi, there's viruses, archaea, but it's so complex. We're just barely scraping the surface and there's trillions and trillions of microbes. And this collection, this gut microbiome actually is key to our health and our healthy longevity. These little microbes are not just sitting there taking up space and freeloading and eating our food. They're actually working to create neurotransmitters and hormones and vitamins, and they're communicators. They actually communicate with our own immune system and it's just fascinating the more... And they are ones that we call commensals. So we'll call them the good guys. And they're actually actively working to kill off invading bad guys. So it's this little micro war that's going on everywhere involving our friend, our friendly microbes trying to get rid of the invading pathogenic microbes. So in addition, these microbes are also fermenters. So they ferment the fiber that we eat. Now, most everyone knows that our diets have dramatically changed. We call it the SAD diet, the standard American diet. This diet is horrific for destroying our health. It's just terrible. It's devoid of all kinds of nutrients. And in terms of our microbes, it's specifically devoid of adequate, healthy fibers and polyphenols. And these are the nutrients and the foundation for the health of our gut microbes. So I emphasize a a diet that is plant-based, a little bit of animal. Sometimes if people are very unhealthy, I say go vegan just for three to six months. But otherwise, just a small amount of animal protein that's hopefully sustainably and, you know, humanely sourced, that is about three ounces a day. This would be for the average individual, There are special needs and so on. And the rest of it is all plant-based. So it has tremendous amounts of fiber and antioxidants and polyphenols and the fibers are going to be diverse so you're going to have all the different legumes so you're going to have beans of all sorts and you're going to have the lentils you're going to have nuts and seeds and root vegetables the things that have been so maligned i have to often defend the defenseless like healthy food it's really a shame people say oh don't eat that those root vegetables they're full of starch well excuse me, starch is the food for our microbes. So we definitely want to include them. And of course, all the others, the green leafies, the colorful ones, they all have additional antioxidants and polyphenols. And the microbes have like a funny dance. They love different polyphenols and different types of microbes like different types. So the more diverse the diet, the more diverse the microbial population and gut microbial diversity is essential to health. And they've done studies showing that in so-called modern populations of our Western world, that the gut diversity has dramatically declined compared to, we'll say, more ancient type civilizations. There aren't too many left on this planet, but when they've looked at people who are living more off the land and they are eating more of our ancestral types of diets, that they have dramatically higher intakes of variety and also of fibers. So I emphasize a plant-based high fiber diet. So it has tremendous amounts of carbs, but these are not carbs that are processed that turn into sugar. These are carbs that are really feeding our microbes. And so percentage-wise, it's not heavy on protein, but this is not a protein-deficient diet. It's really a fiber-heavy diet. And much of the protein is very healthy, plant-based proteins that are really wonderful for everyone. And we now know that the musculoskeletal system, which is a key part of our metabolic health, not just for locomotion, but we know that bones and muscle are also part of glucose homeostasis, glucose regulation, and metabolic health. I mean, these are multitasking structures that are incredibly important. And these plant-based proteins are very nourishing for the musculoskeletal system. So that's where in terms of diet that I emphasize. And of course, I'd say what everyone says now, farm to table, skip the middleman. We don't want ultra processed food. What the heck do we think we're doing? We can't improve upon food. We want organic. I don't know who came up with the idea of putting chemicals in our food. It's so weird when you think about it, but that is not good. And a lot of the things like preservatives, well, they're preservatives because they kill bacteria. Well, excuse me, I just told you about those trillions that live in us. We don't want to kill them. So that's like terrible collateral damage when we don't want to kill the bacteria in the food, but we kill the bacteria in us that are essential to our health. So you you want to eat fresh food. You want to eat it quickly you know, before it spoils. That's the way nature made food. So if it means you have to go to the store more often or you, you use a wonderful service that delivers fresh food on a regular basis fine, but don't buy stuff that's filled with preservatives, please. And then we want to look at, once again, that amazing circadian rhythm. So it turns out that everything in our body is basically on a timer, including our insulin sensitivity. So we are most insulin sensitive in the morning. So if you eat more of your food in the early part of the day and less at night, you will do much better as far as overall metabolic health. So the later in the day you go, if you eat the same food as you could have eaten in the morning, you will have higher insulin and glucose levels circulating in your blood, which isn't good, okay? We know there's like a ton of data showing that having ups and downs and high levels of insulin and and glucose is harmful. And when you have high levels of insulin, it also triggers higher levels of IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor one, which, for example, in women with polycystic ovary syndrome actually triggers more testosterone production, more inflammation. So that's the last thing that you want. You want to keep your insulin and glucose levels at a normal low level. I don't mean like hypoglycemia. I'm talking about the normal low steady levels that keep the body humming properly. So I do timed eating, or now we call it time restricted eating. So that means that you don't snack all day long. Like someone came up with this idea quite a number of years ago that humans should be grazing all day long and just like snacking all the. That. that is like a terrible idea. That is not how we evolved. Just think, could humans have survived? Would or we would we be extinct if we had to be eating every two hours to maintain our blood sugar? Of course not. Our bodies have incredible mechanisms that are designed to maintain our blood sugar perfectly without eating every two hours. That's really not what we are. Now, the little babies have to eat all the time because they are growing at tremendous rates, right? No one grows faster than the first year of life of a a baby. You know, we're talk- talking about that group. We're talking about grown-ups. you know, we are not supposed to be eating every two, three hours. So we want to, ideally this is ideal, and then of course we modify. Ideally, you'd want to eat your biggest meal with by two hours after you get up. It doesn't mean like instantly you have to eat. but by two hours after you get up in the morning, and then what would be really great is if you just had a second meal, which would be like an early dinner. Now that may not be for everybody. But what else could you do? Well, maybe you could have a medium breakfast, a medium lunch, and then, and then a little dinner. But the goal is to not eat more than three times a day. Don't snack. Now, say you, I, you say, I, I have to snack. Well, if you absolutely have to snack, then what you can do is eat something that isn't going to raise your insulin or blood sugar. Like I utilize the Fast Bar. So that's made by um, El nutra and it has been shown that it actually can maintain the fast so that you can have that as like a late night snack. I mean, if the best is not to eat snacks, but if you're going to eat snacks, eat something that isn't going to affect your insulin and glucose, because that's not healthy. So a fast bar is a great option. And you can also have some olives if you want a little variety, one or two macadamia nuts, and a couple of slivers of avocado and hydrate. Green tea is great in the first half of the day and herbal teas are great in the second half of the day. And a lot of times when people think they're hungry, they really are just thirsty. People don't know the difference. And also, if you just sit down and have a lovely warm cup of tea, maybe half a fast bar or a few olives, you're going to be you're going to be fine. And maybe eventually you won't need that snack. But if you do need that little pick me up, that's okay. That's not going to raise your blood sugar and spoil your metabolic health. So that would be like great for how you're going to eat. So you get the right food, eat the right time, you stop snacking and you ideally stop eating by 7 p.m. or at least three hours before you go to bed. Try not to go to bed too late. We now know that your body will be much happier if you go to bed between 10 and 11. So give that your best try. Going to bed at three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock is not good for you. And if you have to, like I said, if you have to have that snack, then make it something like a fast bar, half a fast bar, a few olives and a little avocado or a couple of macadamia nuts and hydrate. But most people don't want to hydrate right before they go to bed because you'll be up at night. So try to hydrate at least an hour before you go to bed so you can empty your bladder. Then the next thing is I love to incorporate other types of fasting. So there's a variety available. One that has been out there for some time is what they call the 5 2 or the modified 5-2. That's where you have nothing to eat two days of the week, but not consecutive days. So it would be like Monday and Thursday, something like that. And you eat either less than 25% of your normal daily intake of food, preferably more on the fat side. So you're not going to elevate your blood sugars very much. So your body you know, will feel more like it's fasting. And, or you could do instead like um, a fast bar. So you just eat a fast bar two days out of the week and that would be a modified fast or you can just do water if you can do that. Now, I have to be honest, most of my patients are not good at water fasting and I have to be honest, I am not good at water fasting. So it's not my thing to not eat at all. I mean, it's really hard, especially if you're going to sustain it more than one month. And we're not talking about like a one-month wonder here. We're trying to create lifestyle changes that people can do indefinitely, like just with rare exceptions, like they're on a vacation or something. So that's not really doable to tell people, most people, that they're not going to eat any food two days a week. You have to be highly motivated and it's not going to last for too long. So that's why incorporating a modified fast with a fast bar, or then you could do one fast bar and maybe a few olives for that day. So at least you're having something on that 5-2 fast. The other is my personal favorite, which is the Prolon, which is the fasting mimicking diet. Because not only do you get the benefits that are so tremendous, but it's actually doable. So it doesn't matter what theoretically is great if no one's going to do it, it's not going to it's irrelevant. It's you know because I'm a clinician. I'm out there working with real people in the real world and no one is going to stop eating for very long for or very often. At least that's not my patient population. So and it's just not going to it's it's not going to really work for the majority and I'm not looking for two people out of a thousand that it will work for. So pure water fasting is not, I think, a solution for the vast majority of people. And there are some risks with water fasting. That's why I really love the fasting mimicking diet, because you get the benefits of fasting without the suffering or the negatives, like the nutrient deficiency, the potential loss of lean body mass. Now, that is critical. In my office, I have a fitness specialist. So we are able to do high-level body compositions, but not everybody has access to that. But because we do that, we look and we see, like it's, we monitor because we can't let people, especially people who are already over 40, we can't have them be losing their lean body mass. And it's not likely to come back. And And muscle, we call that lean body mass is the dominant is muscle, but it could also be things like ligaments and tendons. We can't be losing our connective tissue. We can't do that and then expect to get it back later. So we want to make sure that when people actually lose weight and get healthier, they're losing the inflammatory visceral fat. And that's where we have data, you know, supporting that with Prolon. And that's so important. And we monitor that in my office as well. And when you do pure water fasting, you're much more likely to lose lean body mass. And that's what is precious. It's like precious like gold. So we don't want to ever lose that. And so when you do a fasting mimicking diet, you get the benefits as if you actually water fasted for four days, but you get to eat food that's actually really tasty for five days. And you would do it, when I initiate my patients with it, I do it, it's for every month for four months in a row. And then I individualize. You know, we want to have personalized precision medicine. So it's not cookie cutter for everybody. So depending on their their weight, their metabolic health, their ultimate goals, is it someone that is literally 100 pounds overweight and wants to have a baby and get pregnant in a year? Well, for that woman, I'm going to say, let's do Prolon every single month. And maybe what you can do is a modified fast even if you're doing it like one day a week, the other day, the other weeks of the month, where you have just a fast bar for one day of the week, in addition to doing the, the prolon for the five days, and you just keep it going until they get to their goal weight or close to it. And of course, we look at all the markers for you know inflammation and lipids and monitor blood pressure, and then see how each woman is progressing and along her, Health journey because, like I said, you have to be healthy before you get pregnant if you're going to have the optimal chance of having an uncomplicated pregnancy and a healthy baby who's going to be a healthy adult. Because we're creating a whole new generation of sick people. This is we're going. To, they're they're having problems as children. We now know that something like half of all children have a chronic health condition by age five. This this we have to stop this trend and we have to stop it by working with women preconceptually. And then we have also this overwhelming problem of chronic disease in the aging. And we, we have a dementia problem. <laughs> we don't want dementia. We have problems with cardiovascular events. So a lot of people don't realize it, But cardiovascular events, heart attacks and strokes are still the leading killers of women. So I love to incorporate the prolon for my women who are transitioning into menopause and in the early menopausal years to help them to reduce their unwanted body fat, maintaining lean body mass, improve their ability to exercise. Because when you make them feel better, when people feel better and they feel happier in their skin, they have more self-esteem, then they're going to do the other lifestyle essentials, which they get the motivation. And I see that all the time. It's amazing, even in one cycle. So I love to do what we call a, a reset, where we get them on the diet that I just talked about. So we're basically resetting their gut microbes or resetting their way of thinking about food. And then we and we get into using the prolon. And the results in my practice are amazing. And the joy in my patients when they come in and they feel like I said so much more self esteem, and then we can get them to actually start exercise, which we couldn't do before. We can get them to do mind body medicine, which they weren't able to like get the energy going, you know, because now they have energy and energy in their brains, so that they can feel the motivation and the the joy, and then we can get them exercising and meditating or doing what we do, biofeedback with guided meditations to help our patients to work with their autonomic nervous systems. Because like I said, women are different than men. Our autonomic nervous systems are more sensitive. So we're more prone to anxiety and depression. We're more prone to tachyarrhythmias with our heart. So we wanna get everything more balanced so I can get women to get their mind-body practice going I can get them to be more motivated to go to sleep, they feel happier and calmer. So it all starts with this lifestyle approach. And then they start losing the fat, they start feeling better, it's, and their gut works better. We know from data with fasting, so this is generalized type fasting studies, um, that it can be like a reboot to the gut microbiome. It's like when you stop eating, your gut has a chance to rest. And it's like a reboot. Like when we started our program here, I couldn't get something to work. And you said, turn it off. It's like reboot. So, you know, that's what we do, right? Okay. Turn it off, like reboot. Well, that's like what the gut microbiome, it's like turning it off, like stop eating for a while. And then it's like a reboot. It's like a chance for the gut to heal and rest. The poor gut can't ever rest and heal if you constantly put food down your throat, right? So- and, and all these amazing processes have been shown to be triggered by fasting, like cellular regeneration, getting rid of yucky cells. You know, so there's a lot of data on just different types of fasting that different types of fasting can trigger autophagy, that cellular regeneration and killing off of yucky cells. So that would be getting rid of senescent cells, and those create so much inflammation. And we know that underlying most disease states in the body is this unrelenting chronic state of inflammation. And we know that eating the right diet, sometimes eating, sometimes not eating, can can help with all of these metabolic processes in the body.
0: The following questions have been asked by my audience. Please excuse if they are the same answer. So I've had women with hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism ask if they can fast in either extreme. And is there a type of fasting that is better in either case?
1: So we definitely need more research and data on this. So with hyperthyroidism, especially if it's uncontrolled, I would say absolutely not. Now, time-restricted eating is different. So time-restricted eating where you just don't snack all day, you try to eat more food in your breakfast, and you don't eat more than, basically don't eat more than three times a day and stop eating early in the evening, that you can do with pretty much any autoimmune condition. But hyperthyroidism is associated with often palpitations, tachycardia, and we know that in sort of, we'll say, at-risk populations, that certain types of fasting may trigger more arrhythmias, So because it does affect the the whole body, changes occur that are very beneficial. But if you're in a vulnerable, frail, like ultra thin, like a BMI under 18, if you're elderly, like you just are ill, you've had a heart attack, you have arrhythmias, we do not want to do like any kind of fasting other than time restricted eating in that population you know definitely this is not a do it yourselfer especially with hyperthyroidism now if someone has controlled hypothyroidism so they're already like they're made what we call euthyroid so their thyroid is regulated they're on some form of thyroid replacement or support and their thyroid levels are fine At that point, it should be fine, but I would definitely emphasize that anyone with underlying medical conditions should work with their healthcare professional, not just do things on your own, because we never want someone to get into problems. We want to make sure everyone stays healthy, because even that most activity, like exercise, right, they always say, make sure that you have a good heart. Now you're healthy before you start getting into high intensity interval training, right? We don't want to stress a body that's already on like the edge or stressed already to the hilt. So definitely get checked out if you have underlying medical conditions. But as a generality, someone who has treated controlled hypothyroidism should be just fine for, for fasting.
0: And same question with women with estrogen dominance.
1: So estrogen dominance is a term that's very popular, but very not, well, poorly understood because what what does that mean? So if it means the ovaries are making too much estrogen, well, then that's most of the time wrong because the ovaries only make too much estrogen during a very brief time, which we call the menopausal transition. So the time that a woman, like, which could be usually it's about four years. It could be five in that range, typically, when she's just on the verge of stopping her periods. So the definition of menopause, and this is arbitrary, is 12 consecutive months without a spontaneous period. But that's arbitrary, and and you don't have to wait for that moment in time that a woman hasn't had 12 months of period to actually treat her, but that's the official definition. But in the few years leading up to that point, her hormones are can be like wildly fluctuating. So it's the downward trend is the general trajectory. But along that path, the the estrogen can go spiking up. So you can go down and then spike up and down and spike up. And the reason for that is that the brain is the great sensor of everything. So it says, Oh, I don't have enough estrogen. So through the hypothalamus, it puts out little factors that go to the pituitary, which then tell the pituitary to put out its hormones called the gonadotropins, LH and FSH, to tell the ovary to make more estrogen. So it does that. And the ovaries in this transitional woman are still capable. They're not yet, you know, totally gone. They can still make hormones, but they're on the downward trend. But so they can over respond. So they get like overstimulated and then they Have a burst of hormones. And that's why, actually, during the menopausal transition years, that's the most common time for women to have twins because that ultra surge of gonadotropins can cause two eggs to pop out as well as tons of estrogen. And they can get pregnant with twins and they can have crazy high hormones and they're more prone to having horrible breast tenderness and migraines and and like mood swings. But that's when estrogen dominance from the ovaries is real. But let's talk about estrogen dominance the way it's really a pathological condition. And that tends to be in women who are overweight and particularly obese. Because adipose tissue, particularly the kind that's the inflammatory, that's infiltrated with immune cells that produce all these inflammatory cytokines, which everyone has now heard about inflammatory cytokines. So this kind of fat tissue has... And another fat tissue too, but even, but this is the real problematic because when women are metabolically unhealthy, they accumulate this excessive amount of inflammatory visceral fat, the belly fat, and so forth. And that fat has the enzyme called aromatase that can convert androgens, that's from the ovary, testosterone, and from the adrenal gland, DHAS, and testosterone, converted into estrogens. Now, what happens is when you have inflammation, inflammation upregulates or like turns on this enzyme. So it starts working more. And in these peripheral fat tissues, it starts converting the androgens into high quantities of estrogens, but not the good kind of estrogen that's coming from the ovary and not based on what the body needs. It's not correlating with what the brain wants. It's just doing it on its own because of this chronic state of inflammation that's created in these metabolically unhealthy women. And this type of estrogen is predominantly estrone. And estrone only works predominantly on one of the estrogen receptors called alpha. And this alpha receptor is the one that's on the innate immune cells, like the attack cells of the immune system, the first responders that we call the mast cells, the macrophages, the neutrophils, the monocytes. And so you're actually upregulating the inflammatory process of the body, feeding forward the inflammation. So this is really where estrogen dominance is evil. But it's. I would prefer to get rid of the term estrogen dominance. And the reason is that it people don't understand what it means. And they start thinking that estrogen made by the ovaries, that wonderful estradiol, which has a balanced effect on all of the receptors, is evil. They think estrogen is evil and down with estrogen. But what you want is down with inflammation and down with visceral fat. That's why you don't want to like misunderstand that term. So instead of calling it estrogen dominance, I would like to call it inflammation dominance because it's inflammation that's driving this fat tissue's production through the upregulation of the enzyme aromatase, the production of this estrone. And as I mentioned at the beginning, estradiol is an immunomodulator. It actually controls the entire inflammation and resolution of inflammation process. So it's essential. That's part of the incredible immune system of women, which is sort of like the conductor is estrogen. So it turns on and turns it off. But when you have just estrone, it's like all you have is the on switch. So you get even more pro-inflammatory. And the cancers of women, the reproductive cancers that are estrogen receptor positive, they're all estrogen receptor positive For alpha, breast cancer is all alpha positive. And that's fed by the growth of of estrogen that's being produced around the body, including in the fat tissue of the breast and feeding, like nurturing this breast cancer. But it's not because of the ovarian function. It's because of metabolic dysfunction and chronic states of inflammation that's driving this production of estrone through conversion of peripheral androgen circulating the body into this estrogen that's not the balanced estrogen of the ovaries so once again we get back to lifestyle so we need to control the production of this inflammatory visceral fat through all the lifestyle you know methods that we have available including the vi- different forms of fasting and incorporating time restricted eating sometimes alternate day fasting with modifications, or my favorite, Prolon, the fasting mimicking diet, so that we can control the visceral fat production, help to lose this visceral fat, and then incorporate all of these lifestyle efforts so that we can actually regain metabolic homeostasis and health and get rid of this inflammation dominance. So let's just eradicate estrogen dominance as an expression because of the confusion that it really creates. And let's just talk about inflammation dominance and visceral fat dominance. And then poor estrogen is sort of like the downstream effect as opposed to the initiator or the, the, the real cause of the problem. It's an effect of the problem. So, we definitely want to be sure. So, I'm so happy that you brought that up because we want every one of your listeners to understand that estrogen from the ovary is like the best thing on earth for women. But estrogen made in fat tissue that's inflamed is horrifically bad for women. And these are like, that's like the evil twin, (laughs) they get mixed up. So, we got it, it's the visceral fat and the inflammation. That's the underlying problem that we got to get rid of through all these lifestyle tools.
0: So what is the fastest way to get rid of the evil twin estrogen? Should you fast? Give me like a protocol that someone could do.
1: Well, there, there is one, there's wonderful tools that we can do. So I work with each patient as an individual, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to lay it all out for you. Are you willing to do part of it, all of it? And, you know, all of it means that we start with an exercise program, even if it's just 15 minutes of walking after every meal, which helps to lower blood sugar. We know that. Okay. So if it's even that much, if it's like going to bed at a specific time and having in, incorporating sleep hygiene, which means like turning off screens, watching the sunset, making the room really dark, sleeping with a sleep mask, you know, going through the whole sleep hygiene, which is so important because sleep is not like the absence of awake. Sleep is a very active time, metabolically speaking. The immune system is doing amazing things. There's tremendous blood flow to the brain. I mean, there's different hormones that are being produced, and it's just a whole different scenario, metabolically speaking, and we have to get people to sleep in order to get that big spike of melatonin, which is not just about sleep, but it's one of the the most potent, but renewable, because we have to keep making it antioxidants of the body. And we know it does uh, so many different things. And there are receptors on the ovary for melatonin. And so if you don't get adequate sleep and adequate production of melatonin, you'll have irregular cycles and infertility. And a lot of women have no clue that melatonin actually works on their ovaries to maintain ovarian function, proper cyclicity. So I work with that. And then to so work with stress, I will ask them to incorporate a mind-body practice. I mentioned in my practice, we do biofeedback with guided meditations, but there are other options, progressive relaxation and tapping and other many different forms of meditation, guided imagery. So I try to present it all. We use uh, essential oils, which have been shown to work through the limbic system in the brain to reduce anxiety and stress. And of course, I say, if you're only going to pick one thing to start with, I always start with the foundation of life, which is nutrition. So I like to include as many of the lifestyle tools as they'll accept and start with. But I always say if you have to pick just one thing to start with, we're going to start with food. So then I get them on the time restricted diet. And we have, there's studies that show that if you put most of your calories into the morning, you stop eating and snacking all day long, don't eat late at night that you will lose weight, you will reduce inflammation, because you've got to get that inflammation down. Inflammation incorporates terrible things that happen in the body, including insulin resistance. And I know we women think we're great at multitasking, but I can assure you that you cannot do the following two things at the same time. Burn fat and make fat. You got to pick one or the other. That's like the incredible yin yang that the Chinese got right so many thousands of years ago that you have to have this balance. So you have to have hot and cold. You have to have making fat and burning fat. You have to have eating and you have to have not eating to balance the metabolic needs of the body and to stimulate cellular processes that I mentioned that only will occur, only will occur if you stop eating and growth is great but we can't grow indefinitely because uncontrolled inflammation with uncontrolled growth is the ticket to dna breakage and we know that's the path to developing cancer so we can't have uncontrolled eating uncontrolled growth we have to incorporate all of these tools with eating and not eating so the first thing if i'll emphasize if i have to especially pick one thing it's eating the right food, farm-to-table, organic, plant-based, lots of fibers, and then time-restricted eating. And then I usually incorporate that for one month, unless people are really gung-ho and basically willing to do more than that. But just often that's enough for one month. And then I start the fasting. That's more than just time-restricted eating. That's when I introduce Prolon. And I say, but for people who are really ready, I'll start right out the gate, but often I wait one month just to kind of get them used to eating real food because if they're really heavily into the standard American diet, they, they don't even have nutrients to run their cellular machinery. You know, you got you to gotta have the tools. You can't, you know, if you order something online and it shows up and you got to put it together yourself, that's the, the new wave right now, right? If you order stuff and it comes in pieces, if you don't have the tools to put it together, it's just going to stay in pieces forever. So we've got to get those tools and the tools are the nutrients. So I got to feed the gut microbiome. I got to feed the cells of the body. So we gotta work on that for the first month. And it's amazing how already, when we do our one-month reset, most people lose about six or seven pounds. And then when we add in prolon, then the the gears really start working. The people are starting to move. We can incorporate more of these lifestyle tools, and the it's just amazing. Now Once in a while, I incorporate pharmaceuticals. Obviously, if someone has really obesity and they also have severe insulin resistance, sometimes I will add some of the pharmaceuticals that have been shown to help speed up weight loss. But it's amazing how I don't have to do that. There are this like plethora of drugs that are GLP-1 agonists. That stands for glucagon-like peptide one, and they are mimics. Well, it turns out that fiber- is what stimulates our own enteroenterocytes. These are the gut lining cells that make GLP-1, which is like a little little bitty hormone that is made by gut lining cells that regulates appetite and promotes fat burning. Well, by changing the diet to a plant-based diet and with lots of fiber, and then incorporating time-restricted eating and fasting, we can actually do a great deal to improve the production of our own GLP-1, then we don't have to take this ultra expensive pharmaceutical. (laughs) You know, we can actually do it ourselves. That's the amazing thing. Once we understand cellular mechanisms, we can use lifestyle tools like time-restricted eating and fasting and exercise and mind-body medicine and sleep, proper sleep and so on, to actually trigger the cellular mechanisms that lead to optimal health without the pharmaceuticals. So it's amazing how we can see tremendous weight loss, increase in fertility, regular cycles in reproductive-aged women, and in the perimenopause and menopausal women, significant improvement in their symptoms, their body compositions are so much healthier. So this is not fantasy. This is fact. By doing this in my practice, I am just facilitating the body's own abilities to rejuvenate, regenerate, and lose the inflammation. And by reducing the inflammation, uh, allowing loss of visceral fat, encouraging the body to have proper insulin glucose regulation, and everything becomes back to where it should be and then for my own menopausal women i do recommend obviously i don't force anybody to do anything but i educate and recommend that for the majority of my women that i incorporate hormone therapy as well because we now know that estrogen is very important in helping mitochondria which i mentioned before mitochondrial function and also working with some of these amazing enzymes and kinases like the sirtuins that, which are a type of enzyme called histone deacetylases and the um, AMP kinase, which is a little a peptide that helps the body to burn fat. And all of these critical, we'll say, transformational parts of the cellular function, these enzymes, these peptides are also interrelated with estrogen. So they don't work like the, the histone deacetylases, the sirtuins, The AMP kinase, they work better when you have physiologic levels of estradiol in the female body. So like everything, there's this beautiful interconnection and web between the hormones and metabolism. And these enzymes, these kinases, they're all interwoven with metabolic function, metabolic health and hormonal function and hormonal health. So that's why it all works together. That's why you can't really optimize health If you don't do all the pieces of the puzzle and we put them all back in place.
0: I was thinking if someone has high of the bad twin estrogen, could they at least temporarily while they do the lifestyle things just to reduce symptoms, maybe take some bioidentical hormones, estrogen to raise the good type of estrogen? Would that help a little bit with the migraines or the histamine problems from having too much of the other estrogen?
1: So, actually, the answer is yes. So, everyone is individualized. But in perimenopausal women, it often is actually very helpful, because once you understand the metabolic functions of estrogen, that it rules the immune system, which is integrated into the metabolic systems, the mitochondria are so key to having metabolic health, and they don't work properly in an absence of estradiol. So, It's one of those catch-22s, I tell my patients. You can't heal if you don't have estrogen, the proper kind, estradiol, and you won't make proper estradiol. This is for reproductive-aged women. So you won't make estradiol properly until your ovaries are less inflamed, because we know that, like women with polycystic ovary syndrome, when they've actually taken fluid from inside the ovaries around the follicles. It's full of immune cells. It's inflamed. The ovaries are literally inflamed and they need the Like I mentioned, they need the melatonin, which acts as a a regulator of ovarian function. It's also a potent antioxidant and they don't sleep well without estradiol. So it's, and also there's actually published studies that show that binge eating disorder in women has been helped to be controlled by giving an estradiol patch so, it's one of those catch 22s. If you don't have proper production of estradiol, you can't work the machinery of the cells. You can't have proper metabolic health, but you won't make the proper estradiol until you get metabolic health. And you do. So, it's, a, oh, it's such a tricky situation. So, yes, sometimes short term, I have to give hormones. Now, the conventional approach is oh, just give them all birth control pills. But what they're not understanding is that the estrogen. And the progestin that are in birth control pills are not human identical. They're actually, and you can look this up on toxicology.gov, they're actually endocrine disruptors. And the estrogen in birth control pills, ethanol estradiol, converts to guess what in the body? Estrone. So you're actually putting predominantly estrone, not exclusively, but predominantly estrone into the woman's body. That's why birth control pills increase blood clotting it's and they increase high blood pressure that's why you would never give someone with uncontrolled high blood pressure or they just had a heart attack or they're elderly you don't give them birth control pills why if they're so good for you because they're not so good for you they're designed to prevent fertility and they turn off the ovaries But the the bottom line is it's not giving human hormones and it has a totally different effect. You're actually giving the evil twin estrogen when you give birth control pills. So of course that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to give the good twin, I'm going to give estradiol, which is the human identical estrogen to what the ovaries make. And in menopausal women, their ovaries are never going to come back. So I want the proper functioning of the reproductive aged woman's ovaries, but I have to help along the way to get metabolic. Function and health back. That's why I sometimes have to give some human identical hormones to help the body to heal. And it's like training wheels, and then I can take it away, and then like you go on your own. You don't need my training wheels. But for menopausal women, their ovaries cannot come back. So for me, it's for life because without that, those training wheels. Think of it as an artificial leg for them. They lost their leg. It's never growing back. So you make one of those incredible prostheses and then you put it on and it's for life. So think of it as something to help women to live a better life for the rest of their lives when you give them human identical hormones in menopause because their ovaries can't come back. Yet, I don't know, I actually am talking to someone who's doing ovarian transplant. So who knows what the future will be. But for right now, We don't have new ovaries available to anyone. You know, we give you hormones and it's not the same as having a 25-year-old set of ovaries, but it's better. And that's what I try to do in my practice. I can't always do best because best would be I turn the clock back. That's not in my power. I don't have that as one of my therapeutic tools available. So I can't do that. So I do better. Better is to give the best food, the best lifestyle, incorporate fasting and give human identical hormones when it's appropriate.
0: I have one last question on the fasting. A lot of the women said that they tend to get migraines when they fast. What can they do to maybe prevent them or deal with the pain of the migraines so they don't have to stop the fast?
1: Well, I would want to know like when when it is that they're doing the fasting. If a woman is cycling, the best time to do a fast is during the luteal phase, which is after ovulation and in fact what has been shown in some small studies that go back quite a number of years ago where they did 2 3 day water fasts in women during the luteal and follicular phases so the follicular phase is the the time before ovulation the luteal phase is the time after ovulation and what they showed when they did these 2 3 day water fasts in the luteal phase is they actually felt better they actually reduced autonomic nervous system dysfunction in other words they increased parasympathetic output which is the calming soothing part of the autonomic nervous system that makes you feel happy and calm that comes from the vagus nerve and it down regulated the sympathetic output that's the stress and flight and anxiety type thing that makes which you need when you're in a like of you better do something like run for your life situation but you don't want to be activated that way All the time, then you're in trouble, you know, metabolically and in every other way. So it actually made women calmer, happier, they could sleep better. It actually improved what we call heart rate variability, which shows more parasympathetic output. So make sure that anyone who tends to get migraines should try to do the fasting right after ovulation, right after ovulation. And the other thing that they may benefit from is actually during that time having an estrogen patch because sometimes what happens is their estrogen levels are too low a lot of the triggers like when women have menstrual migraines it happens when there's this big drop in estrogen and one of the treatments is actually to give an estrogen estradiol patch to keep the estrogen levels from plummeting it's that big drop in estrogen so and these are things that you have to work with a doctor who understands hormones and you know, that the role of estrogen and how it can help actually prevent migraines, not trigger. So it's really fluctuating levels that can trigger the migraines. So you want to do the proper timing and look at also your diet. So maybe they're not getting enough fiber and polyphenols. So make sure that they look at getting the proper microbial population before. That's one of the reasons why I usually do the, like we call it the reset, where we just make sure they have the proper tools to run their cellular machinery. Because if you're deficient in critical minerals, like say like 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium, Well, low magnesium can be related to having headaches, particularly migraines. So it may be that those women getting the migraines happen to be deficient in magnesium and they're living on the edge. They're teetering on the thin ice. So that's why it's so important to get all the proper nutrients so that every cell can have the proper tools so that when they go through a stress... Now, fasting is stressing. Now, that's the good thing. See, when you stress, like exercise is a stress and fasting is a stress. So you trigger these stress adjustment situations in the cells. So that's actually good. So you want to stress the body some, and then what happened, and we said pregnancy is a stress test for women. So when you stress the body and it goes into that stress situation already healthy, with all the proper nutrients on board, not in, uh, not incredibly inflamed. Many of my patients, I can't get them un- inflamed, you know, right off the gate, but, you know, they're not totally nutrient de- depleted. So then you will have the tools to run the cellular machinery. But so that's a sign, I would say that that's a sign that they may be deficient in key antioxidants, minerals. So they should probably take a month to just make sure they are really high nutrient-dense plant-based diet, take targeted supplements with, you know, a good multivitamin, omega-3. Often they'll be deficient in omega-3, which can also then lead to migraines. So they're deficient in you know, anti-inflammatory nutrients, the B vitamins, and the minerals, magnesium, omega-3 is probably what's underlying their migraines. So get nutrients in and then you know, it's necessary to do an estrogen patch, but you, that may not be necessary when you get the proper nutrients. So pain never occurs in the absence of inflammation. You just, I mean, that's a fact, okay. You have to always have inflammation to have pain. So there's something going on in that woman. So I consider pain is always a red flag. Something's wrong. Usually it's a lot of times it's some kind of deficiency, like a hormonal deficiency, a nutrient deficiency, or both. So get it checked out and then get back into the fasting routine.
0: And the same thing for women with adrenal fatigue or high cortisol levels, can they fast?
1: Well, adrenal fatigue is a funny term because it's actually, the adrenal glands are not really affected in that they're damaged, they're just responding. So once again, it's like not the, the adrenal gland is not the underlying problem, it's the stress that's the underlying problem. So chronic stress will change how the adrenal glands put out their stress hormones. And they can have initially too much cortisol and then maybe they'll have too little cortisol, but it's the underlying stress that's really the problem. So that's why it's so important for everyone to be like analyzed, like what are, what's going on in your life? Do you have emotional issues that really need to be addressed? Are you going to bed at two o'clock in the morning? are you are you fasting until dinner, which is like not good, you know? The body is incredibly adaptable and can survive under many harsh circumstances, but that's not optimal. It's just survivability that the human body has. So we don't want that. So we definitely don't want to start fasting. Remember, fasting is a stress on the body. It's when it's done properly, done, you know, like, not like really prolonged. We don't want prolonged fasting. I mean, that's a really important takeaway. The most you wanna do if you're doing a water fast would be four days and the fasting mimicking diet for five days is perfect. There may be other times when you would do up to a seven day fast under certain special circumstances, but you don't wanna do multi, multi multi-week fasting, long fasting beyond that. It's just not healthy. So you don't want to do that that's too much stress on the body and you'll have then you'll then trigger metabolic changes that are going to be detrimental long term so you don't you you're not going to get the same types of changes when you do really prolonged fasting so you don't want to create chronic stress on the body and you don't want to take someone who is incredibly stressed and then add another stressor so that's why it's really important to maybe take that one month first get the body on a proper sleep schedule, get them eating the right food, doing some form of mind-body medicine, even just taking a walk, looking at the sunset, just kind of getting them prepared for the stress that is so beneficial when done properly, the stress of fasting, which triggers all those regenerative, rejuvenating pathways of the cells to help the cells to survive when food is not there and then actually make the body healthier. But I don't want to take someone who's incredibly stressed out, who's very, very weak, frail, unhealthy, and then stress them with a fast. First, I want to nourish them, You know, just coddle them, and then I fast them. <laughs> then I'm gonna stress them, but I gotta get them prepared. Like I wouldn't take a frail old person and then put them on a high-intensity interval training. So think of it as fasting is the equivalent of high-intensity interval training For the body, it's an incredibly beneficial stress, but it has to be done properly in the right candidates at the right time and in the right way.
0: And when should women be learning about what to expect in menopause? And read your book.
1: Well, every woman is going to go through menopause, or already has gone through menopause. It is a universal event for women, so everyone should be prepared. So, my new book menopause, 50 things you need to know, I think should be required reading for every woman for sure who is, I would say, 35 and up. Now, you should be preparing just like you're supposed to save for retirement from the day you start working. But not everybody does, you know, but theoretically, you should start saving for retirement right at the get go of your employment. Theoretically, you should start saving with your health savings account for menopause if you're a woman from the day you're born because your health as a youngster, as a middle-aged woman will often dictate your health for the rest of your life and how you fare going through menopause. And and when you read my book and you see all the things that women can experience and face as they go through menopause it'll be a strong motivator i can assure you because menopause is a big metabolic hit but you know i i realize that women in their 20s probably no matter what you know you they're not going to like it's hard to get women to care about their bones when they're in their 20s but it's like excuse me one day you're going to be an old lady you should care about your bones when you're 22 but it's really hard i realize that you know it's like two two in the future but so i'd say 35 up you should read my book you know what's coming ladies
0: Okay, so I definitely, I'm five years too late, so I need to start getting on that right now. (laughs) So before we go, is there anything else you would like to leave the audience with and how can everybody reach you and learn more
1: about you and Prolong? I want everyone to know that by incorporating all of the healthy, integrative lifestyle modalities, stress reduction, sleep, reducing exposures to environmental toxicants, incorporating time-restricted eating and fasting and prolon and having love and purpose in your life, which is so important, and fitness, that you can optimize your health. No matter where you are on the health spectrum right now, you can do better. And we have the tools. You just need to access them and access your cellular capabilities. The innate Capabilities that every cell in your body has to rejuvenate, regenerate, and, and give you the kind of health that you are so seeking. And that's my mission in life is to help one-on-one every woman to get to her life goals. And I'm in uh, my medical practice is called Integrative Medical Group of Irvine in sunny Southern California, Orange County. And I can do some telemedicine as well. And I also have an Instagram, which I try to put a show on every single week. That's educational, but short, so that for people who are in the you know that don't have uh, too much time. And it also gets posted on my YouTube channel. And I have three books out: two on PCOS, the PCOS SOS group, and my new menopause book, Menopause: Fifty Things You Need to Know. I'm here. I'm in my one of my exam rooms speaking to you. So I'm a practicing brick-and-mortar doctor, old-fashioned one-on-one, and I would love to help anyone who is looking for a fresh start.
0: Well, thank you again so much for your time and for sharing everything with us today.
1: My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to the show. Please show your support for the podcast by leaving a five-star review. Learn more about the show and what I have to offer you at com consider being a part of the new Patreon, where episodes are ad-free and you'll find extra bonus content. Send a voicemail question or email me. Check the show notes for more information. Are you feeling sluggish, weighed down, or mindlessly eating in need of new healthy habits? The groundbreaking five-day prolonged fasting-mimicking diet is so much more than a diet. It's a whole new way of approaching nutrition and life through fasting. Prolong triggers your body's natural rejuvenation process from within. You'll feel lighter, improve your energy and mental clarity, lose weight and belly fat, and reduce your food cravings. And when you do multiple consecutive rounds of Prolong, you'll rejuvenate your cells, which supports healthy aging. It's the only nutrition program in the world that mimics a fast. The tasty, specially designed, gluten-free, plant-based food keeps you in a fasted state. Over 20 years in the making and developed by the prestigious University of Southern California Longevity Institute and the National National Institutes of Health. It's redefined what fasting means. You eat, your body fasts. Ready, set, rejuvenate with Prolong. For more information go to prolongfast.com. P R O L O N F A S T.com and use my code CAT K A T for 20% off your first order. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony and their maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it, so go to Feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, one 5 for 15% off any of their single pack products and definitely go check out that episode. Just search for Mona Whom on my podcast and listen, you won't regret it. This podcast is for informational, merry-makings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.